Hey, this is Seth Scruggs, co-host of Rewatch. We're very excited to announce that we are going to be premiering a short film called Five Minutes. It was directed by me, and it was produced and written by Zachary Vaughn. We shot it back in December, and we're getting ready to release it on August 28th at 6 p.m. It will be premiering on YouTube as a live premiere. Uh, you can find all the information on Instagram at MarkSpotsTheX Productions. Following the premiere of the film, we are going to be hosting a live Q&A at 6.15 uh, where we're going to talk about the film and you can come out and ask us questions and we'll be excited to answer them. August 28th at 6pm with a Q&A following at 6.15, the premiere of 5 Minutes, a short film by Seth Scruggs and Zachary Vaughn. Welcome to Rewatch. My name is Seth Scruggs, and this is a show about movies that we love and movies that we haven't seen yet. Uh, I'm joined by Zachary Vaughn. Hello. Uh, and we are both filmmakers and best friends, and we like to watch movies as much as we like to make them. And we decided that we wanted to talk about the movies that we love and make each other watch our favorite movies. So that's what we're here to do. Zach, yeah. do you want to give any more introduction to yourself? Uh, I can't think of anything <laughs> else off the top of my head. Um, that, was a, that was a solid introduction. So here's the way that the show works. Each week, one of us is going to pick a movie that we love, but the other person hasn't seen yet. We're both going to watch them, and then we're going to talk about them. So this week, we chose what might be my favorite movie. This might be my favorite movie of all time. You talk about it like it would be. I do talk about it like it would be. Uh, we we watched Lady Bird this week. So Lady Bird uh, is a 2017 film. It's written and directed by Greta Gerwig. It is about... A teenage girl in 2002, as she uh, graduates high school, gets re getting ready to go to college, she lives in Sacramento, and it's about her and her relationships with her family. It was uh, very well received at the time. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Actress, Best Actress in a Supporting Role. So with Ger Gerwig being um, the fifth woman nominated in the best director category she could have done it again but the academy is sexist so <laughs> she deserved it for little women she deserved it for little women i have yet to see little women but it is definitely on my long list De <laughs> depending on how long we do this little women might end up being one that we watch here probably so i've seen this movie like we like zach just said i talk about it like it's my favorite movie so let's i want to hear your thoughts on it zach yeah i watched this movie a couple days ago um with another friend we watched it um, we were both wanting to see it and so i was like i'm gonna watch this movie partially for the podcast partially because i want to watch it and so we sat down we watched it many pauses during it just because we're we want we needed time to react to things um it was <laughs> it just is that kind of movie it is it is like anywhere from the heartbreak to the coach who becomes the drama teacher 
we just we just had to we just had to take some time to collect ourselves after <laughs> some scenes with the coach. I will stop you for a moment and just say that we're going to talk pretty in depth about the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want anything spoiled for you, this isn't the kind of movie that really gets spoiled. But for future note, uh, we're we're not going to hold anything back. We're going to operate on the assumption that everyone listening has seen the film. So with that said, drama coach. Honestly, he was one of my favorite parts. There's <laughs> there's not really there's there's no bad part of the movie, mm. but Oh, no. He was he was definitely he was definitely a comedic highlight. Um, there were so many dramatic points that just built and built off of each other. Um, but one of the things I really liked was it did a very good job at balancing, um, not throwing too much humor in mm-hmm. to where it's like, oh, we're just gonna laugh right now because we need to. But like, but really balancing it to where it felt natural maybe not necessarily realistic um at times but definitely natural for the story um and even sometimes with certain people in the heat of a moment something can happen and they're like i'm gonna make a joke about this instead of dealing with it um so there there was a realism to it um but yeah i think i think it they did a very good job at building the drama and still having a lot of really great levity. Um, yeah. So so it wasn't too heavy at any one yeah. point. I think that's one of the most remarkable things to me about the film is that life operates very much in that like tension of like really, really awful things are happening, but I'm going to crack a joke because it's still funny and I have no other option. But it feels like in films a lot, and even like as a writer writing films, it's hard to be like, this is, I can crack a joke here. Like, you know, like someone could be dying, but like they're sitting on their bed they're They might make a joke and that's an okay thing that happens. It's just life. Uh, and I think this movie does that really well. Yeah. One other thing that stood out to me was how intentional the story was, how intentionally the story was structured. It was mm-hmm. very, it was very noticeable, but at this, I, but I think that's okay. Um, yeah. And I think that helps. It it even could help it in its artistic way of telling the story of an artistic girl going through high school, finishing high school. Um, it's a very noticeable, very noticeable in a way that I think reflects the character of lady bird um so that actually brings up something that i wanted to ask you about and this feel this felt like a good time to do it one of the things that i get asked a lot is you're a filmmaker you're a film major i'm still in college at the moment you study film you make films you spend your life kind of surrounded in that world does watching movies change um, like people ask me a lot if I can still enjoy a film that that I'm watching, and the answer to that for me at least is yes, because the best films that do that kind of take you in in that sense, and I feel very taken in by this movie, and I'm curious what you think, um, if that makes sense. I absolutely think that 
my way of viewing movies has changed since being a filmmaker. Um, from the story perspective of seeing a story that works or aspect of a story that works or doesn't work to CG that is very noticeable or <laughs> shots that are out of focus or camera gear or crew that are in shot. There are many things to notice. Um, but one of the best things, like you said, is not noticing that stuff. A yeah. film that draws you in so much that you just get lost in it. You aren't paying attention to, oh, yeah, so that bottle was open in this shot, and then it was closed, and then it was open. Like, that That doesn't matter because the story was so beautiful, so compelling that you couldn't pay attention to anything else uh, because yeah. nothing and, else mattered. And for me, coming from working a lot in camera on sets and things like I look at it and I can see the lighting as far as like what they're doing. Like I can look at it and see, okay, so the DP is like lighting it like this and this is why, but it, that doesn't necessarily change my viewing of the film unless it's bad. And even, right. and even then I'm not necessarily looking at that if the film does what it's supposed to do and makes those things invisible and draws me in. One thing I've noticed is that it's still very easy for me to enjoy movies unless they're just terrible. Um, yeah. And there are terrible movies, but it's still – I am glad that I can still go into a movie and walk out. And even if it's not a very good movie, I can walk out and be like, that was cool. I enjoyed yeah. that. And then I sit down and I think about it or I watch it again and I'm like, all right. Maybe it wasn't the best movie, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. It entertained me, and that's what that kind of movie is supposed to do. And yeah. then there are movies like Lady Bird where it's just like, my heart feels better now after yeah. watching this. So segueing back into a definitely not terrible movie, but tell me, let's talk about some of your favorite moments of the film. Ooh. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I already mentioned The Coach. Um, pretty much anything with the coach drama teacher in it was a highlight. Yep. Um, just because um, one of the ways, uh, one of the things my friend and I would mention when we were watching was um, a, a concept from Poetics by Aristotle where it's ways you can justify something happening in a story. Um mm -hmm. Uh, there's uh, how it is, how it was told to you, and how it ought to be. And whenever something with the coach happened, we would just look at each other and say, that's how it ought to be. <laughs> because it was just great. Um, so so something I think is interesting with this, you kind of talking about the drama coach, you were homeschooled for high school. I was homeschooled. Um, so this how how does how do you feel that affected your viewing of it as like a this is about a high school senior who's like leaving home for the first time like how do you feel like you coming from a little bit of a different background not necessarily experiencing that in the same way that she did how did that like affect your viewing of it um well it helped that i watched it looking back it helped that i watched it with somebody who did go through the public school system mm -hmm. um, 
because there were many times where we would pause it and he would explain this is how it was or this is um this is what people say it's like but that's not actually what it's like yep um and so that was helpful but i think the characters were written in a way that felt very natural and relatable Mm -hmm. even though i did not experience that um because like even going through high school if you interact with people your age even if you aren't in the public or private school system you still get you still experience or are aware of some of the drama and craziness Mm -hmm. and good things and stupid things that happen um and so a little bit of that i was like okay yeah and then some of it i was like what that actually happened he's like kind of but maybe not like that (laughs) um and so i think i think it was cool kind of coming from an outside perspective but still being able to empathize with the characters uh doing things that i went through very differently i want to talk a little bit about like the actual like filmmaking aspects of it like the craft portions of it and see if there's anything that you that stood out to you uh, watching it i have a whole list of things so this was my fourth time seeing the movie i love this movie as very much previously stated um and so i have a whole list of things this time i really sat down and looked at it kind of what was going on under the hood a little bit like rather than just taking it in so i want to hear kind of your first impressions and then if you don't mind i'll jump into kind of the things that i noticed on like a multiple rewatch yeah um i think the thing that stood out to me the most was um the way there were thinking about it there were quite a few montages Mm -hmm. Um, that I think were used very well Mm -hmm. in that it showed progression that was important, but she's in high school, which means it's not on the same level. Some of it wasn't on the same level of other importance in her life. Um, yeah. So, um, with the boy who's in her acting class or who was in the play with her, um, their whirlwind relationship, I think was very well done through montage because it's, it shows the um, infatuation of it all, the high school, Really just the high schoolness of it. Yeah, the high schoolness, the the urgency that doesn't need to be there and the inaccurate sincerity sincerity, if that makes sense. The Yeah. I don't know. The the sincerity that is it is sincere, but they're so young that how 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 sincere is it though? Um, Yeah that I think the montages did a good job of. Um, and overall, just great job, Gerwig. <laughs> um, I think uh, I noticed, one thing I noticed um, in some shots were um, match cuts. 
oh, mostly yeah. mostly in the montages um, mm-hmm. but um i appreciated those i was expecting something towards the end um after uh ladybird's mom drops her off at the airport and lady goes in with her dad um when she's driving around the airport i was so excited because i thought as she got there to the end that it had been a transition and she was then picking her up from the airport mm-hmm. and it was a time mm-hmm. skip i was a little sad when it wasn't because i was just <laughs> so excited for that to have been used that way um but it was still such a powerful moment when her mom was there um, yeah and her dad was there because he knew the mom was doing that he knew that's what was going to happen mm-hmm. but he mm-hmm. couldn't he he was he was a good partner in the way that he helped her save face, even though she shouldn't have saved face. He, that was her decision and he was going to support her in that. I could go on and on about how good the dad was as a dad. (laughs) I I could too. Um, I think while we're on that subject, um, the scene where uh, the dad walks out of, the job interview if you've seen the movie you'll know what i'm talking about he rounds the corner and his son comes up to him and it's evident that they're both going for the same job and it's it's this emotional moment and he just straightens his you know straightens his shirt and tie and sends him in and i think that's such a beautiful moment um of just that picture i think it's just brilliant the dad is probably the best example of a dad Mm -hmm. in of out of pretty much any movie i've seen Mm -hmm. and this being a dad who is um not not perpetually jobless but consistently unemployed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but is still kind is still generous is still Mm -hmm. hopeful this is a dad who it is revealed in the film struggles with oppression but is still empathetic and loving and present and encouraging and just a great dad um let's just talk about how great that reveal of him dealing with depression is mm -hmm. because it's just he doesn't have to acknowledge it. He doesn't do anything that happens. Ladybird finds the pills and just acknowledges it. And it's not a we need to fix him. He's not fixed at the end of the film. Like he it's not like he's better. He just takes care of his family and I think that that's I think that that's so brilliant. That's such a good way of handling that because mm-hmm. it's it's validating it. Mm-hmm. Not trying and, to, uh, not trying to diminish it, not trying mm-hmm. to solve it, not trying to fix it, not trying to explain it or anything. It is presenting it as a thing, but mm-hmm. also it is a very functional character. Yeah, and the and the film does that a lot of times throughout the film, and I'm sure that somewhere, either in editing. Or in writing, there was a scene where Lady Bird and her dad sit down 
and say, yeah, I have depression. And, you know, she finds him alone crying or something. You know, I'm sure that somewhere there is that version of that scene exists. But the film does a really interesting job, honestly, at just going in and we're going to take things for granted. And we're not going to, we don't need to sit and have a conversation about whether or not he has depression. We're just going to look at the pills and say, is that depressed? And then, yeah, he is. And then move on. I think that Miguel is another example of this. And I don't, I don't know how much this was talked about, but Lady Bird has a Hispanic brother and it's not explained. Is he adopted? Is it from, is he from a previous marriage? Like it's not explained. It's just, this is her brother this is who he is. His name's Miguel. He lives with Shelly. They they sleep on the couch, and that's it. Like so, I find I I think that the movie does that really well in that mm-hmm. it kind of feels like you're just you're dropped into their lives, and you don't need to know every single detail about these people, but you need to know these details about these people. Yeah, one of the things I appreciated so much is that even though everybody, like even though the family is all over each other, like just like making jokes, being rude, like being mean to each other, but like you know that they love each other. Mm-hmm. Um, even Shelly. Like, even Shelly, yeah. And I, th- I think watching it this time, she was one of my favorite things to kind of watch. You know, this scene of Lady Bird and her smoking a cigarette outside the house, I think is great. But I think my favorite is the Christmas scene where Shelly opens her socks and she goes, my feet are always moist and because it's the moist looking <laughs> socks. Yeah. I, just, I think that's i think that's i think this is just great i think that's so grateful yeah um, well and it's it's a very family moment of like yeah. you're opening this kind of like dumb gift but the person who gave it to you is really really excited about it mm-hmm. so you're going to be like yeah i kind of do need this mm-hmm. yeah um one moment i really appreciated from miguel was when um, Timothy Chalamet's character drives up for prom and he honks and everybody, everybody mm-hmm. in the Ladybird home, except I think except the mom was sitting mm-hmm. in the family room waiting for that moment. And when he honks her, uh, Miguel looks at Ladybird and he says something along the lines of you don't deserve a guy who honks. No, mm-hmm. you, even even you deserve better than that. Yeah, um, and she does, and everybody knows. Everybody knows that. Um, yeah. Timothy Chalamet probably knows that, but um, <laughs> I hope he does. Well, the character too. I hope um, he does. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like you, that's one of the moments where it's like ah, oh, even though you guys have been at each other's throats this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that your sister deserves better than that because you don't hate your sister. You guys are a family, and family is the most important. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that definitely comes across through the movie, even with all of the yeah. throat cutting and jabbing and <laughs> all that. Yeah, I think that was something for me on a story level because I moved uh, – I'll kind of talk a little bit about the film story-wise now – I moved six hours away for school. And so I was going through that same kind of process that Lady Bird goes through in the movie of like kind of figuring out who you are and like where you're going and like what's happening and like 
and it's a very different experience, like moving that far and, but also going through the process of knowing that you're moving that far and like everything is changing that much. And so I really connected to the film on that. The first time I watched this film, I watched it with a friend as well. And um, both of us had moved far away from home. He had moved much further than I had. And we were not very close friends at the time that we watched the film, but it was just me and him. And the movie finished and we were both kind of left in the dark as the credits rolled, both processing these emotions. And it was, it was, a very, it was very funny and we, we talk about it a lot. But all that to say, it, it does like... It ha- this film has a way of like emotionally like punching you in the gut a little bit. Um, I think I think in the especially that kind of final scene, it does. Um, I don't I don't know if you had that same experience of kind of like processing it at the end. It was a little more rushed because it was late and my friend had to get home. <laughs> but gotcha. Um, yeah it it left you. Or it left it left me feeling good, but also like ah, yep. like so much. The the whole movie is full of that, but like it yeah. just overall it was just like ah, but also oh yeah, ah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, so what was interesting this time, kind of going through, was I was able to really dig into like what the film is like doing, like craft wise, which is really cool. Um, this was a film that I, I'm going to give a little bit of a plug here for the plot devices story clock notebook. Um, I filled out a research log for this and it's just, it's fascinating watching it again. So this is a 90 minute film, right? Yeah. Like it's a, it's a pretty short movie mm-hmm. as far as like movie standards go. And what was interesting was watching it this time. I could I could see all of the setups because there are so many things like there are no details wasted in this film. So what was interesting watching it this time was like I was seeing all of the setups for the things that were going to be dug into later in the film. So the way the story clock notebook works is it you write out your story like a clock, essentially. So I'm I'm looking at this clock of like all of these details and there are just so many details that I find myself like writing something every couple of minutes like mm. oh and then this is going to be connected to this thing and this thing and this thing and so it's very interesting the the clock that I I made for this is a mess but it but it gave me a new appreciation for like what Greta Gerwig is doing in the film because there's no fat you can't cut yeah. a scene and and what's so no. interesting about the way that Greta Gerwig works is she writes a scene. She wants it performed like that. So she, her actors don't deviate from the page at all. Right. So it's just every, everything is just, it, it still feels real, but every moment of that is scripted and blocked and rehearsed. And it's so interesting to me because there just isn't a lot of like, she wrote it. She wants you to perform it that way. Um, and I find that really interesting. And then this time I also noticed a lot of like the attention to like visual detail, uh, something, and I don't know if you picked up on this, um, but I think about this a lot when I'm watching a film, but screen direction. So Ladybird moves right to left for the entire film until the very end of the film. When in the final shot where you see her walking to the church, she walks left to right. 
Okay. So, so for anyone who isn't super into like film language and grammar, how your character moves across screen matters in for very very specific reasons. And there are four ways that you can move across screen. Uh, we won't necessarily go through all of them, but logically in an English Western world where we read left to right, all of our characters move left to right for the most part. So ideally, like if you have a character and they are your good guy, they're going to move left to right throughout the movie. That could change based on like what's happening in a certain situation, but generally speaking, they're going to move left to right. If you have someone else, they're probably going to move right to left like a villain or if your main character is encountering difficulty, if they're meeting resistance, because that doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel natural for us to move right to left. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel right to move that way. So in this, Lady Bird moves right to left for the entire film, which I think is so fascinating. Um, and is definitely like a choice. Like I could be reading into this, but I, I'm pretty sure it's a choice. I would say so. What do you, I don't know what you think. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. Gerwig, as an actress, mm-hmm. would not have, would not have just, would not have directed something without knowing what she was showing. Exactly. Yeah. And Gerwig as an actress is something we will probably talk about in a little bit. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that's so, so interesting is that she she has that happen of, like, she is moving right to left the entire film. And what it communicates is that, in, in a subconscious way, is we're moving backwards. We're not – she's not moving forward at all. She's stagnant, and she's she's trying to push against all of these things. And I think it goes to the point of – what the nun says to Lady Bird about her essay, you know, you love Sacramento, you love this place. And she says, no, I don't. Um, which I think in one part is a meta commentary of what Greta Gerwig thinks about Sacramento. Um, but in another sense, I think that visually that's what's happening with this right to left movement is that she's saying, you, you like this place and you're, and you're kind of stuck and you feel stuck and you feel like you're moving backwards And the moment that she kind of accepts where she needs to go, you know, she's, she's not a believer. She's not a Christian yet at the end when she, when she moves left to right is when she goes to this Catholic church, when she goes to mass. So she's moving left to right because she's kind of, and I, and I don't think that it's implying that like Lady Bird experiences something religious and is therefore like a Christian at the end of the film at all. Obviously, I don't think that's a message that we should derive from that. But but what it is saying is like she's fought against her Catholic school. She's fought against her her parents and kind of what they're thinking. And now she's moving in that direction of what her parents want for her and that kind of life. And I think that it says a lot about her character. I think it's um, also important that one of the first interactions she has with somebody is with her mom. At the very beginning, mm-hmm. and her mom calls her by her, her birth, her given name by them, yeah. which is Christine, and she mm-hmm. immediately corrects her and says, "It's Ladybird." I told mm-hmm. you to call me Ladybird, and then mm-hmm. at the end, 
she's at a college party and somebody asks what her name is and she tells her she she introduces herself as Christine instead of Lady Bird. Yeah, um, I actually that's one of the few I think parallel moments in this film that I didn't pick up on. So that's that's impressive. Yeah. Definitely. Um and even I don't know how exactly how paralleled that is on the story clock, but um like that is closer to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, no, it's looking, pretty early on in the beginning, but no, looking at where that would be, that would be pretty pretty darn like, close enough to call it parallel. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, there's parallelism all throughout this film, and I'm not gonna, I won't list every single moment, but you know, the moment that you know Kyle and Danny are introduced are parallel. The moments of the moment where we, the priest is the first to cry, and then we, where we find out that he's like in, in therapy for depression, that's that's parallel. I think a pretty obvious point is the blue house, which shows yeah. up three different times in the film. All three of those are pretty evenly spaced. Um, you know, I think I think what's interesting about this film is that you could apply a lot of different filters to try to figure out the structure of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you you know, there's all all sorts of things where you could be like, this section to this section is a section and it part and an act and then this section but really it's it's incredibly difficult i think to really decide mm-hmm. this is what it is one thing uh my friend um he he uh predicted when we were watching it when they stopped in front of the blue house as he said that house is important i don't know why but it's important and then when it came up later he asked me um if i thought that it was important or would have been important without being the house of Lady mm-hmm. Bird's um, first love. I don't know if it's actually her first mm-hmm. love, but yeah. Um, and I said, I said yes. I think it would have been important because yeah. it still shows her dream, and it still builds the characters and shows what they at least perceive to be unattainable. Yeah. I think that it is, it's an interesting thing where it, I think that if Danny, if Danny isn't there, if Danny's family doesn't live there, it's a kind of MacGuffin of like, this is what I want. And this is what I'm chasing after, but it's not what she's chasing after. She's chasing after other things. And, you know, when she lies to her friend about where she lives, I think that it is there. I think it's more powerful because it's Danny's family, because she does know the people that are there. Um, and she she kind of infiltrates a little bit. Um, and I think that there's there's tons of stuff to dig into in that as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think that I think that it still would have been important. But I think that it, it definitely becomes more powerful. Know, that she knows the people inside that they they're they're given it because up until that point the people in in that house 
are like non-existent to Lady Bird. You know, like this house represents a lifestyle that she wants. And in a sense, I think Danny represents that lifestyle. Like she, she wants this thing. She thinks that's all she wants, but she doesn't like she, she actually does enjoy and love what she has. And I, and you know, if you were going to pick a message of the movie and you were going to like put a gun to my head and say, what's the message of Ladybird? I think there's a lot, but I think part of it is just love where you are and accepting who you are and where you are at any given point. Yeah, that's good. And I, and I think that that, that house is very representative of that. Yeah. Cause all, all the time in it, um, well, for one, it starts out with her not being content with her name or previously not being content with her name. So she has people call her something else. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, eventually is not content with her uh, relationship status. And mm-hmm. so multiple times she goes to a guy um, But in her pursuit of Kyle, she also becomes discontent with, or she loses her contentment with her best friend in the pursuit of a friend with connections. Just throughout the whole thing, um, it's her learning, like you said, to love where she is, to be content um, and happy with what you have. Yeah. And and I think that that's part of what hit home for me. I've you, when we we texted about that, this film before we sat down to talk about it. One of the things you mentioned is the, the, you described the style as, and what was it? Basically you described it as a stylized realism. Yes. And, yeah. and I think that that's such an interesting way to describe the film. Can you, like, what do you mean by that? Um, well, I think, I think the film is told, I mean, all movies are told from the main character's perspective. That's what makes them the main mm-hmm. character. Um, but her being the main character and protagonist, it is still, I don't know, in a different way told from her perspective as she would tell it lady bird is a very artistic very dramatic over dramatic um free spirit her own per- wants to be her own person um and i think the movie while not being crazy matches that it matches her spirit um in a way that I think is just amazing because yeah. it shows even more of the character. Um, Cause you see the character in the movie and in the character. Um, and it's just a really cool, I'm going to use the term meta narrative, even though that's probably not the actual term <laughs> um, just to see the reflections of the character in the movie. Yeah. I think I think that there's something interesting about film and people kind of dig into like well it should look real you know there's there's all sorts of arguments for years about whether or not it should look real or not about film and you know how real should it feel and look and whatever 
And I, I'm not trying to like comment on that necessarily, but there's this element of film in the visuals where you are telling the audience, this doesn't necessarily look real. It doesn't necessarily look like the world that you live in, but this is what the world of these characters looks like. Um, and I think, you know, obviously to an absurd degree, that's what Wes Anderson does of like, everyone's wearing pink because everyone in this world wears pink unless it's 1970 and then everyone wears orange you know that's that's an absurd degree of it but i think that there are lesser degrees of it where it's like no the camera and and it's almost like you create these rules of in this world these things you know even the camera moves this way the colors look this way and and that's that's just the worlds and the narrative that we're building I think that to use another Greta Gerwig example, Little Women does something very similar to this in that respect of like Little Women does not look or feel like a grand uh, costume drama film, but it, but it is, but it isn't. And it, and it does that in that sense of like, this is how this world looks. This is how the characters move and this is how they talk and this is what they do. I think Aaron Sorkin, you know, talking dialogue, I know I'm giving a lot of examples and I'm hoping to like try to make a point. You know, I think Aaron Sorkin is a good example of that, at least in his like dialogue, you know, like he, his characters speak like Aaron Sorkin characters. Right. And they don't, that doesn't necessarily mean that they speak like real people, but, but when you, when everyone is talking like that, it's that idea of like everyone is doing this or no one's doing this. That everyone speaks like that. So that's just the world. That's how people in this world talk. In this White House, this is how the people speak. As this version of Steve Jobs, as he prepares, this is how he speaks. Um, so I think so. I think there's something to be said for that. I think it's very interesting um, in that regard. Yeah, I think that comes down to how well a movie establishes its reality, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's a lot easier to I think that's one of the not easier things but I don't know it's it's one of the things about fiction that allows it to stand out as still feeling realistic and mm-hmm. real and natural even though it's not because you have more freedom to establish its own reality um Whereas with a nonfiction or a like a biopic, for example, mm-hmm. people are going to be much harsher mm-hmm. if they feel like, oh, well, that's not how I imagined this person would talk. Or um, with biopics, I mean, with with all historical movies and biopics you take creative license you have to like you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i could go on and on about poetics but um, <laughs> he mentions historical accuracy in that um mm. but fiction allows you to establish reality that feels real and contains enough hints to actual reality mm-hmm. that makes it feel relatable and natural as long as it's at least natural to itself yeah 
there will be relatability and realism in it as fiction mm -hmm. because if it is cohesive and consistent within its own universe, which I think is beautiful and awesome about fiction. Yeah. And, and I think that that goes back even to how like the camera moves and, you know, coming from a filmmaking specifically perspective, like the actual like craft of it. I think that's something to be said for how the, how the camera moves, what lenses are we using? What colors are we using? And, you know, to use Ladybird, like it feels very warm. Like the colors are warm. Um, they're oranges and yellows and reds. And so it feels, it has, it evokes that feeling of like a warm memory a little bit, which I think is what it's doing. It kind of, you know, there are moments where it kind of like the light is like a little hazy and it's like, okay, yeah, this is meant to feel like a memory. Like I'm living in this person's head. And, you know, like there's, I think, you know, to my knowledge and memory, there's one handheld shot in the whole film. And I think that's significant because the rest of this world, this world is very static and it slow moves on dollies and very smooth movement. You know, whereas like another film might be entirely handheld. We made a film that's entirely handheld. Mm -hmm. So like, but it, but it, feels natural because this is the world that we're living in and this is how it's supposed to feel for me as like a note as a filmmaker is like that gives me the thought of like okay i need to think about these things when i'm making a film and part of that is like establishing like what are the rules of this world not just within the context of a story but like visually speaking right does yeah. what makes sense and what doesn't yeah cool so we can start to wrap some things up, but I'm curious. I did not prepare you for this, oh boy. Uh, but <laughs> uh, what five, you know, out of five stars, what would you say? What would you say for Ladybird out of five stars? Whole numbers? You can do halves. Okay. I mean, you can do quarters if you're really feeling. <laughs> I would say no less than a four. Yeah. Um, what what do you think stops it from being a five? Because every okay, so everyone has different ways of rating a film. Yeah. We all do. I, we wish we wish it were standard, but it's not. So like for you, what stops something from being a five star film? <laughs> the cynic in me wants to say you can always do better. <laughs> um, but I can't also like, I can't point out those things. Um, the There were scenes at the end um, that, if I watch it again, sorry, when I watch it again, watch it again, I'm sure I'll see it and be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It There were some things that felt like they could have been done a little differently. Mm -hmm. um, there were, this, this wouldn't take it down from a five-star, but um, when in the very near the very end, if not the very end, when it's cutting between Ladybird and her mom driving the car, mm -hmm. um, I thought it could have been, I don't know, it would have been at least cooler if they had, instead of jump cut between them, like just straight cut between her mom and her driving, done mm -hmm. um, 
like false one takes um, where mm. something passes in front of the camera and then it's the other. Interesting. Um, I just think that would have been smoother and shown. It would have been a softer way of showing the, the reflection and similarity um, and comparing and um, mirroring them. Um, mm-hmm. Then the just boom cut, boom cut. Uh, that just felt a little jarring in that, and I think it could have been, it could have used a softer cut there, which I think the obstruction cut could have solved. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting because I, that was one of those cuts that for me kind of, kick, I you ever see like a like there's an edit in a film and it kind of kicks you in the gut and you're like oh oh man. And for me, that was one of those cuts. So that's interesting. Okay. Uh, that that is how you felt about that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it could also be that it's not entirely it's not entirely my type of movie. Yeah. Um, like it's I don't know. I don't know what my type of movie is. <laughs> um, it was very it was very well done. Like, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Um. I feel like I feel like I'm backpedaling now. Um, <laughs> so four stars. We'll say four stars. I'm gonna you. say four stars. Yeah. Cool. I this will not surprise you at all, but I'm gonna give it five. What? Um, <laughs> no, I. So for me, what makes a five star movie is that it is excellent, excellently made, but then also really, really like emotionally connects for me. And this movie okay. did that. I yeah. it's done it. Uh, like I think I said earlier, I've seen it four times now. This was my fourth time. So like I've seen it a lot. It doesn't get old to me. It feels like like comfort food in a sense of like I am I am comforted by watching this movie and I it feels like a warm blanket for me. And so yeah, I I think it's a great movie. I I love it. It's I admire it because there's so many films that I've seen that are short films. Like not short films, but like shorter features that I I walk out of or I finish and I'm thinking, if they had been if that had been ten minutes longer, if it had been twenty minutes longer, I think it would have been a great film. But it wasn't. And Ladybird is shorter than some of those films that I've seen and felt that way. And so it just to me, like it's just impressive and um it's impressive to me that as her first feature which we talked about earlier, you know, Greta Gerwig is an actress. She's made lots of films before and been in lots of films before, but this was her first as a director, as a sole writer and sole director. So it, the fact that she kind of came in, she came in with this knowledge, but I think she also came in with like a, you know, she's been watching this for years and is like, I could do that too. Like I could do it better. And then does do it better. I think it says a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, not not to say that she did better than any of her other directors. They're, they're good directors. We will actually probably be watching one of their films in a little bit. But it very specifically, like she does, she does something here that I think is, it's new and it's fresh and it's interesting. While at the same time, kind of feeling like a, just a good movie. Uh, and in so many ways. Um, so yeah, it's a five star, it's a five star for me. Um, so I think, I think a good question. So obviously this is our first time 
doing this. So those listening, we're still figuring this out as we go. But I want to ask this question. Would you rewatch this film after this? Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. I would as well. <laughs> All right. So before we, before we close out, I want to do one more thing. Um, we both watch and experience a lot of film and TV specifically. And I'm kind of stealing this from uh, a couple other podcasts that I listen to specifically movie podcasts like uh, script notes, which I highly recommend to any screenwriters uh, out there um, as well as uh, several others. But I want to talk about what is something other than this film that you have watched in the last week or two that you would recommend? One of the most recent movies I watched in theaters was the Oscar winning for director of photography, 1917. Um, I thought it was fantastic um, and absolutely 100% deserved that win. Um, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, shamelessly, shamelessly uh, recommend 1917. I loved it. Excellent. I am going to go with another 2019 film. 2019 was a great year for movies. Um, That's been said many times, but I'm going to say it again on this podcast that, you know, because why not? Uh, I watched Ford versus Ferrari with my family and that movie got a lot of hate, but I think that what's really great about it. Have you seen this film? I have not seen Ford versus Ferrari. So what I think is great about it is that this it, it's it feels like a pure like Hollywood big screen movie with like pure Hollywood big screen movie stars and it's not something that we get you know we get a lot of like small independent films which obviously we're talking about Ladybird I love those but there's something about just like anamorphic lenses and big screen and just gorgeous cinematography and fun editing and like you know, I don't know if it's necessarily like it should have been nominated for Best Picture or whatever. That that can be for other people to decide. But it definitely is. It's a fun movie, and I highly recommend it. So I think that closes us out for a very first episode. So thank you, Zach. I look forward. Uh, do you want to give a little bit of a sneak peek of what we're talking about next time? Next week, we're going to be doing um, one of my favorite movies, which is Baby Driver an Edgar Wright movie, which for many reasons that we will talk about next week is one of my favorites. Um, And I can't wait to get into that next week. Yeah. It's one of those that I have been trying to see for a long time and haven't. So this will give me a good reason to do it. Awesome. Well, thanks Zach. And we'll see you next week.